You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, Tommy's here. Aaron's here. I am here. Lots to get to last night. What a Monday night game that was. Oh, that damn Kirk, Tommy. stuffs stats all game long and then chokes at the end. I mean, he just... He's, I don't get the people that are just really infatuated with, with Kirk Cousins because he never, ever plays well and never delivers in the clutch. You're trying too hard, boss. <laughs> You're tr- he's 0-8 on Monday Night Football. I, I, and I guess Monday nights are the only nights that count, right? <laughs> They're the only games that count. Uh, you would think that watching this uh, Let morning. me ask you a question. What would yeah. you rather be, 8-0 or 0-8 on Monday Night I'd rather night be 8-0 okay, um, or have my, my one of my favorite players be 8-0 on Monday night than 0-8. Yes. yes. Uh, he's the worst starting quarterback in the history of Monday Night, night Football. Football. Yes. 0-8. <laughs> um, and last night, you know, clearly it was all on him. No, it wasn't. Uh, but we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. Um, we're going to get to the Redskins ratings story. Uh, I predicted this Friday, I think it was, with Aaron. Uh, maybe earlier in the week with you, I forget, that for the first time there was a chance in the same time slot for the Redskins to get outrated by the game on the other network. The game Sunday was Ravens 49ers on Fox while the Redskins and Panthers were on CBS, and it came true. Um, The Ravens and the 49ers game outrated the Redskins game in the same 1 o'clock window time slot. We're going to get to the significance of that during this show. Georgetown basketball seems to be in a bit of trouble. Uh, we're going to get to that and other things. But, Tommy, how was your Thanksgiving, first of all? Well, I'm going to tell a little story, and this kind of pretty much tells you about my Thanksgiving. And, again, I love my in-laws. You know, they're, they're, they're the best. You talk the, about them all the time. Yeah, I mean, they, they, have, they have an entire section reserved in heaven uh, that I won't be invited to. Uh, and uh, so at one point, you know, I, I had an older sister who, you know, God rest her soul, passed away a few years ago from MS. Right. And uh, it was, well, commonly known throughout the family. Uh, so one of my in-laws sits down with me at some point to try to make small talk, you know, because uh, that's what you do on Thanksgiving. So they say, look at me, and they say, so how's your sister doing? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. said, well... She's dead. <laughs> In the reaction. Oh my gosh, it was it was it, it was like he had swallowed a raw turkey. For God's uh, sakes, that's too bad. It was it, because he meant well, but it was funny, and I <laughs> then I I didn't let him forget it. You know, uh, I mean, it, I, I was just relentless. The, the, the it gave it gave me something to chew on besides the meat. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is your wife's family. Yes. Her side of the family, and. You are, you know, every year at the, at these family functions, you tend to be a little bit high maintenance. You you require your own room, yeah, and your own television to watch, you know, specific games that you need to write on or or stay in touch with. And they've probably over the years, you know, just said, oh, "There he is again. He's off doing his own thing," and they forgot, you know, that yeah. Some of them didn't even know you had a sister <laughs> in some cases, but certainly the ones that did didn't know that she passed <laughs> I away. Guess not you know so. I, I, I guess not. So that was that was the highlight of my Thanksgiving. I had a great meal. I didn't watch any football because it wasn't any football really worth watching. Yeah. So I wasn't inclined, as opposed to last year where I had to go find a sports bar uh, right. in in downtown Westchester to because the Redskins were playing. Thank goodness they they weren't playing on Thanksgiving again. 
So it was a pretty uneventful uh, day. We we drove up and drove back the same day. Pretty pretty quiet, other than other than that faux pal. You know, I that faux pal. Um, the uh, the I didn't. I don't think I talked about Thanksgiving yesterday, Aaron. Uh, and it's better because the conversation's uh, always fun with Tommy. But you know, over the years, we've typically hosted Thanksgiving yes. and have had some big crowds over the years. I mean, it's a relative thing, but I think we had twenty five at the house on Thursday, and my niece is getting engaged, so everybody was in town because there was an engagement party for her and her fiancé on Saturday evening, and then we were going to host the brunch for everybody in town for the engagement party who were going to be heading out of town on Sunday morning. So it was quite a food and booze fest all weekend long. Not to mention, the one quiet day should have been like Friday, except with all of my relatives in town from out of town, I said, come on over, watch football, hang out, have dinner. So we had people over on Friday again and Friday night. Um, It was actually a a lot of fun. It was a great weekend. And it's... um, it's I, I, sometimes those those weekends can be long, and you get to the end of them, and you're like, "Oh my god, thank God it's over!" Thank it's so good to see everybody heading back. Yes, most of them, you know, heading north uh, to Jersey, Boston, you know, but mostly New York, New Jersey. Most of them, although I've got a niece who lives in Chicago, a niece who lives in Salt Lake City, and you know, some other family who are in other you know areas, Texas. Um, but anyway, um, it was actually one of those weekends where at the end of it is like it. You know what? You guys want to hang out another couple of days? This is fun. Now, is this mostly your your wife's side uh, of the family? So for Thanksgiving, we had, mm, I guess, yeah, it was my family. My father uh, and his wife stayed stayed in Florida. My brother, as you know, is in Costa Rica. Right. And then um, my sister, who lives in Nashville, was up with her husband and her two girls. And then okay. my mother and her husband were over. But I guess the majority would have been Kara's family. Uh, who's the boss in Kara's family? Who's the boss? Like who's who's? Who? Oh, my father-in-law. Okay. When you say boss, like who who's got the biggest voice? Oh, well, who calls the shots? Um, my father-in-law's got a big, outsized personality. You would love him. Okay. You would absolutely love him. And my brother-in-laws are, are great dudes too. Very yeah. different from one another, but but great guys. And so we always have a good time with you know. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. My my younger brother-in-law is truly one of the funniest people I've ever known in my life. I've talked to you about him, I think, before. Um, and, and so he it's always entertaining when he comes to town. And if anybody in my family is listening to this, and hopefully he is, but he isn't because he couldn't care less about sports. <laughs> couldn't care less at all. But it was really nice that he actually showed up for a family function outside the state of New Jersey. It's always nice when my brother-in-law travels outside of Point Pleasant, New Jersey for... <laughs> For a family function, that's sort of an inside Listen, joke. Listen, Point but Pleasant, it's, it's nice. Uh, Point Pleasant's okay. It's yeah, right they, on. It's right on the uh, the beach. Yeah. There, well, isn't all it? of my um, my my in laws who live in Jersey, they all live in Monmouth County. Okay. Spring Lake, New Jersey, primarily yeah. Avon, and and my brother in law actually doesn't live in Point Pleasant, but they did, I think, at one point. So I always joke about how they're from Point Pleasant, and never leave Point Pleasant, and or basically you know, Heights. live at Shoprite, you know, uh-huh. or Food Town, or <laughs> one of those places. Um. Anyway, uh, it was it was a good weekend, but it was you know many times I get to the end of that weekend. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'll flick the lights on and off, you know, like it's time to leave. But uh, it, it would have been fine had it continued. You know, it was, it, it was a good time. Maybe, good time. maybe you've matured. 
Or maybe, you know, I also think about it this way. You know, this weekend there wasn't like a big Redskin game to look forward to on Sunday where I want everybody cleared out. You know, who cares about the Redskins these <laughs> days, you know? so everybody... Well, you better start caring about the Redskins, buddy. Yeah. You better start caring about the Bill Callahan era. <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Are you kidding me? They are on board, baby. Oh, really? Yes. And you know this because? Because because they're they're going to wind up doing just enough. Okay, let's um let's get to some. Well, you went to the Ravens game Sunday. Yes, I did. I I saw a football game. Oh, you Look, did. I didn't see the Redskins game, and I, I'm glad that you know. I, from all counts, it was probably the, what the best performance they had in two years. But yeah, but I saw a, over a, not two years, but probably since last October. I yeah. saw a heavyweight fight on Sunday. Can I ask you? I, I I don't know the answer to this question. It was a terrible weather day. Oh, it I was. Mean, it here, was. It was 40 at game time. It was 40 degrees and, and a pouring down rain. So, and mist covered the field. Was, you know, Baltimore in recent years have had some issues with attendance. You know that, right? The yeah. Ravens oh, have had some issues have. with I attendance. Like, like, every, like yeah. everybody has at, at times. Was that place packed for that game? It wasn't packed, but considering the conditions, it was pretty good. There were empty seats in the, in the, in the third deck, you know, in, 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 okay. in, the, in the upper deck. But all you saw was, I mean, it was pouring rain. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just drizzling. It, it was pouring rain. And, and it was cold. And it was cold. Uh, but it was it was great football. It was absolutely tremendous football. And, and Lamar Jackson basically showed everybody that if you want to go toe-to-toe with him in a game like that, he's up for that. Yeah. He is up for that. I mean, he, I mean the 49ers still really had no answer for him. He wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as dynamic, or obviously, they didn't score forty-five points. In fact, that's the lowest amount of points. Twenty points. That's the lowest they scored all year. All year, yeah. In, in any game, uh, but uh, his drive down the field, getting a, a key quarterback uh, sneak. Well, it wasn't a quarterback sneak. It was a run on fourth and one, getting three yards, hitting one of Baltimore's three terrific tight ends uh, with a with a sidearm pass. Uh, that basically sealed the game that uh, like for 12 yards that forced the 49ers to use their third and final timeout. It was it was as enjoyable a football game as I've seen in a long time. I mean the 49ers were tough. They I mean they they ran a rough shot uh, on on the Ravens, but but uh, uh, points point uh, other than that points were hard to come by, and uh, it, it was just I mean I. I was skeptical of Lamar Jackson after seeing him in two games last year in person. Uh, I'm ready to lead the parade right now. That's awesome that you got to see a game like that. It's been a long time yes. since I've yes, been to has. a game with that kind of anticipation, with those stakes, and then it played out as a great game as well. Um, I I was stuck, of course, watching Redskins Panthers, and I had uh, I had the big desktop on Marilyn Marquette, who played at the same time. Yes. Um, and I and I have the the 49er Raven game uh, recorded. I, I intend to get to it. I probably will not end up getting to it, but I, my I, my intentions are to get to it. But you know, in in watching you know sort of the the highlights of the final drive, what a benefit it is to have a guy like that on third and one or fourth and one to have a Lamar Jackson because really your fourth and one odds with a quarterback like that are so much higher than most teams' yes. fourth-and-one odds. Yes. 
And and it almost makes you think, why does Baltimore ever punt the football? Um, you know, in in fourth and three or less. You know, the yeah. first the the game that 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 I came in here raving about Lamar Jackson was the game where they went to Seattle and won, and it was a fourth down in the second half in a closed in a very close game. You know, at the Seattle ten yard line, nine yard line, and they stay out there on fourth and like three, and Jackson keeps the ball on a keeper and scores a touchdown on the play, and I'm like, whoa! They went for a fourth and three in a tight game. I think they were up at the time, may have been a tie game, 13-13. Nine out of ten teams kicked the field yeah. goal, and Harbaugh says, not our team, no. because you know you could even use, if you were you know sort of wired this way, the analytics in that particular position, because fourth and three is probably a very, you know, a 40 to 50 or maybe higher percentage play anyway, but with Jackson, it's got to be 70%. Probably. And that was the play that I was like, wow. And I came in here the next day and people I remember said, oh, you're going too nuts on Lamar Jackson. I'm like, no, he is the best show in sports. And he didn't have a big passing day No, No, he didn't. I think he threw for like 130, 105 yards. yards. I think it was 14 out of 25 or something like that. 14 out of 25, 105 yards, but he had 101 rushing. Yeah, and and he he hit key passes uh, in 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 the in the last drive uh, of the fourth quarter, two key passes that he hit, and yeah, I know, I, I you know this happened to me before, but I fell in love with the guy when when he shows up uh, at the press conference, and I know I know this is hypocritical, uh, considering what the 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 grief we've given RG three over the years, but uh, I think this kid may live this. He wore he wears a T shirt to the press conference that says. Nobody cares. Work harder. Yeah, you know, and I mean, that's just that that and, and that's that's the way he acts. Yeah, that's the way he acts. It, it was it. I mean, I talked to a lot of Baltimore media people up there who just who I mean, they're ready to build a statue for him up there now, right next to the one for Ray Lewis and Johnny Unitas. Yeah, they have a very interesting game Sunday. They play at Buffalo. Buffalo went into Dallas on Thanksgiving Day and beat the Cowboys and. This is another, like, there are just so many of these matchups that we've had. The Saints play the 49ers this week. You know, you have a lot of big games remaining. It's a, a, Aaron, did you say this to me, or did Greg say this to me this morning, that this is a really good NFL season? Unfortunately, you know, my favorite team is not participating. But it really is a very, very entertaining and intriguing NFL season where you still are going to be hard-pressed to come up with two obvious favorites to be in the Super Bowl, although Baltimore, for me, I don't know how you beat them right now. Um, you, I mean, you, you have beat to them. outscore them. You beat him in the postseason last year by completely making Lamar Jackson a one-dimensional quarterback. Can you do that anymore, though? Because he isn't one-dimensional anymore. But here's here's what's so apparent, and I mean, it's obvious to people who watch the Ravens, is uh, this organization, uh, once they committed to Lamar Jackson, uh, they committed to putting weapons around him. Yeah. And, I mean, Mark Ingram... These three tight ends that they've had. All of them can play. Yeah. They've got players that can, they've got receivers who can stretch the field, Hollywood Brown. Uh, So they gave him weapons to make his job a lot easier. Tommy, that's a really, really good point. Not only did they commit to Jackson, but they gave him things that, by the way, would have worked for Flacco too. Because Flacco has had how many offensive coordinators and really 
they, they had a big, big hole in offensive talent over the last several years. He had never had the receivers that, that, the receivers that this guy has now. Yeah, um, he's this guy's got uh, Andrews and Hurst and Boyle, all good three, three very good pass catching tight ends. He's got big time backs in Ingram and Gus Edwards. You know, he's got a deep threat in Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma as a rookie who you know has a chance to be you know a star. Um, they put some really nice pieces around them. And, you know, they're good defensively. The 49ers ran the football against them. Yeah, they did. Them, they really they did. They did. They ran the football. So this the, the Baltimore-Buffalo game is a really good game on Sunday. Um, the 49ers at Saints game is big. You know, Seattle winning last night. I'm going to get to that next here. Seattle now is the number one seed uh, in the NFC. Yeah, two um, seed. Behind what? Behind the Saints. Oh, the Saints are the one seed right Saints now? Saints are, the, as of now, because of tiebreakers with – uh, New Orleans is the number one, Seattle is number two, San Francisco is the number five. Mm, that was written down for me this morning. I guess we got that one wrong. Uh, I thought that Seattle at 10-2 and two had a better conference record than New Orleans. And they do. They have a better conference record than New Orleans. Why aren't they the one seed? Uh, hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. We have... Uh, so they haven't played each other. Oh, I ha- oh, they have played each other. New Orleans beat Seattle. There you go. New Orleans beat Seattle. They did? Yes. They did. When was that? Early in the season? It was fairly early on. I, I they, we... uh, You're right. New Orleans beat Seattle 33-27 to in week three. Yeah. Hmm. Forgotten about that. Okay. Uh, New Orleans is the number one okay. seed in the NFC playoff picture. But you have Seattle now atop San Francisco. And that, just as a quick aside, um, if the season ended today, San Francisco would be the five seed, and they would be playing the four seed, which would be uh, the Packers. Uh, it would, no, it would be the Cowboys. It would be the Cowboys, excuse me, on the road. So yeah, it would be a 10-2 and two team at a 6-6 six and six team. <laughs> We've seen this over the years. It's why when they do get this new CBA, and I've suggested this many times in the past, they're going to expand the playoff uh, field by one, which would mean seven in each conference. So you get a number one seed who gets the bye, then you get three games in each conference, six teams each conference participating in that first weekend, which make that first weekend of the postseason wildcard weekend even more entertaining because there will be six games instead of four. But you can have the qualification for playoff spots the same way for division winners, and then it would be three wild cards. But you got to reseed them. You got to seed them based on record. You can't have any more, you know, a 12 and 4 wild card team playing an 8 and 8 division winner on the road. You know, let the 8 and 8 division winner qualify for the postseason because they're a division winner. Keep the importance of the divisions in the sport, but 12 and 4 shouldn't be playing a road game. You know, it's like when when New Orleans had to go as a as a as a division winner uh, or as a wild card team, I forget what their record was to play 7 and 9 Seattle in Seattle, and that was the Marshawn Lynch beast mode run. I know. You know, one of the great runs, and they lost the game. I know. Well, that that's a memorable game. I'm all for keeping it the way it is. I bet they change it. I think they'll I'm sure receive. they will, but uh, I, I think that you should get – in fact, you know, if you don't like it, win your division. Yeah, if you if you don't like that. it, win your division. The problem is, what if your division winner is sixteen and zero, and you're fifteen and, and two, or fourteen and two? Well, you should have beat them when you played them. You played them twice. <laughs> okay, you so now I got to go. I got to go on the road to play a seven and nine team potentially. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. And like if that. you can't beat them, then you deserve to lose. 
Um, I'd forgotten about that Saints-Seahawks game earlier in the year. In fact, even looking at it now, the box score, I don't even remember it. <laughs> That's starting to happen to me more and more. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, I want to talk about last night's game. Because last night's game really encapsulates everything that people think about Kirk Cousins. I mean, it was all there last night. It was, you know, they're not even close to Seattle on the road without him. And then at the end, they can't get it done because of him. You know, the the game, if you watch this game, Minnesota's defense was atrocious. I gathered that. They got run over like a, a knife through warm butter, cut through, sliced through, and to the tune of 230 yards rushing against them. And that was the number one reason that Minnesota lost. Anybody looking at that game objectively last night, with Kirk Cousins having no history of losing on Monday Night Football or not coming through in the clutch, or at least the narrative of of him not coming through in the clutch, the perception. The truth is he's got 13 fourth-quarter comebacks, game-winning drives in the fourth quarter, which is top half of the league over the last five years. But but his, But, his his standing there has been dropping. Yeah, but the perception is but, that but he, his standing, he's he keeps going down on that list. Uh, he do, yeah, because he he only has one this year. Yes. so far there are four games left. Yeah, most quarterbacks don't have more than two or three in a given year. I, I get that, but but he used to be higher on that. He list. He was he was top five yes. in fifteen and sixteen right. and seventeen, um, and now I think he's you know top ten to, to fifteen. And but but still, the perception that he never delivers in the fourth quarter is inaccurate. But it doesn't matter. The perception is that what, that's what it was. And last night encapsulates everything that you perceive about Kirk Cousins. Good enough to keep your team in it, not good enough to win <laughs> it at the end. And yet, last night, if you're looking at that game objectively, which nobody can involving a game with him, and a lot of people, Tommy, say to me all the time, why do you spend so much time talking about Kirk Cousins? Well, truthfully, I don't. That's, that's for starters. That's another perception versus reality thing. But Kirk Cousins is a massive NFL storyline. Absolutely. I mean, ESPN this morning, all they're talking about is Kirk Cousins. Why do you say that? Because you don't think he's very good? Well, because he signed the first totally all-guaranteed contract in the history of the league, basically, for $84 million. And the Jets wanted to pay him north of $90 million over three years. And people thought it was too much money. I thought it was too much money, too. I would have never paid him that much money. Some of you think that I would have. No. I wanted him traded after 2016 and before 2017. I wanted him signed early in 2016. Um, But anyway, last night, their defense gets run over. Uh, They lose their left tackle um, to a concussion. They're without their number one receiver, Adam Thielen, for like a month four or five games now in a row, maybe more than that. Dalvin Cook, the number one, you know, top two running back in the league this year, fumbles deep in their own territory early in the third quarter, gets hurt, doesn't return to the game. They fall. Stefan Diggs drops three balls in the night, including one that resulted in an interception. Only Kirk, the, Kirk hadn't thrown an interception. In he had a stretch of, of throws without an interception that was the longest stretch in Vikings history, eclipsing Warren Moon's stretch um, when, when Moon was in Minnesota. Um, and the last interception he threw bounced off of Stefan Diggs's helmet and bounced up into the air and was picked off. He's had a phenomenal season, um, really, over the last eight games. Until that game last night, 
people were starting to introduce him into the MVP uh, debate. Yeah, I mean, he's, but they were. He, he's way behind, you know, the, the top four or five guys. But odds-wise, Aaron and I looked at it a week or two ago. He was, like, in the top ten yeah. somewhere in the, MV, in, the, uh, in the odds for MVP. But um, anyway, so they're down 34-17. Sixth in the MVP race for us. Sixth now. right now in the MVP race. So uh, he's not going to win the MVP. No. no. So last night, you know, with a terrible defense all night long, with his team turning the ball over deep in their own territory twice, um, they're down 34-17 to in a game that they led 17-10 to at halftime. He had been playing very well. And he leads. He put straps him to their to his back. Literally throws a couple of passes. Fifty eight yard touchdown pass. Thirty four twenty four. They get the ball back on a really good hit off of a throw that forces a fumble that actually was called incomplete. They challenged it, overturned. They get the ball back. He drives him right down the field, and then on third and goal, throws a really good ball that that uh, that Kyle Rudolph catches one handed for a touchdown. Now it's thirty four to thirty. Kicker misses the extra point, point, you know, um, which they've had kicker problems there, just like they had kicker problems when he was here in Washington. They would have won more games had Dustin Hopkins made more clutch kicks. kicks. Um, and then they get another stop, and there was three minutes and change left in the game. He's already put them into position with great play. He's been terrific all night long, and it's 34-30, to and they've got the ball back with three minutes and 27 seconds left from their own 16. And Booger McFarland said, well, America, you wanted it. You got it. Kirk Cousins down, needing a touchdown to win it in the final drive. Let's see what happens. Again, they're not even close in this game without him, but that's beside the of point. Of course it's beside the point. And then he didn't deliver, and he didn't. He hit uh, Rudolph for a 20-yard pass from their own 16, and it's like, here they go, because he was in rhythm at that point. And then the worst throw, and nobody made a big deal out of this. It's first and 10, and they're going hurry up. And they didn't need to go hurry up at that point, but that's beside the point. He gets pressured on a first and 10 throw, and he hit, throws a ball, a Kirk pressured throw that we've all seen that flutters up in the air, intended for nobody. And I'm like, oh my God. And it hit the turf, thankfully. But that was one of those balls. If that had been picked off, it would have been even worse for him today. Yeah. Even worse. Um, and then they got it to fourth and three, and Irv Smith. You know, I don't. I I would I, personally. I thought the whole play call was was terrible. I thought on third and three the play call was bad. They went with a slant to Laquan Treadwell, um, and he missed Smith. Now it, he was covered, and it may not have been completed even if he makes a good throw. But he just missed him. It was not accurate enough, and so the game didn't end there. Uh, because if they stopped Seattle, they would have gotten the ball back. They had three tam- timeouts, but Seattle ran it right down their throat and pretty much ran the clock out. And so there you are. It's like I said to Aaron before the show started, for him, it would have been better this morning had they gotten beaten You know, 34-17. They're getting run over defensively. They've lost Alvin Cook. They've got no Adam Thielen. Riley Reef, their starting left tackle, has left the game. Left the game in the first half with concussion, and it would have been better had they just lost 41 to 17. Because you would have said, "Ah, he's 0 and 8. He is 0 and 8." But he didn't. He didn't choke at the end (laughs) on fourth and three. It would have been better for him. But like what happened in Washington in a lot of those games that they lost. You know, I think about so many of those games over the years, you know, during some of those seasons where, you know, they wouldn't have even been close without him. 
You know, the game in, in London that they lost. Remember that game, the, the game that they lost where, where Dustin Hopkins missed the 30-yard field goal in overtime? That was, that, was that a loss or was that a, t- that was a tie? It felt like a loss. Right. It was a the tie. Ba- the Bengals. The Bengals yeah. game, yes. I mean, he's he's incredible in that game. I think he threw for 400-plus yards or something like that. And let me see if I can find that. 458 yards in that game. He strapped him to his back in that game, and the kicker misses a 30-yard field goal. The Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys, he throws for 450, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, and they lose because they couldn't stop the Cowboys one time in that game. And you go through the list of, of a lot of those games over the years that you know were fourth-quarter losses, but you know the Redskins were nine and seven with a terrible defense. They were eight seven and one with one of the worst defenses we have ever seen as NFL fans. It was the worst third and long defense in the modern era since the merger. No one had ever been worse on third and seven or longer than the 2016 Redskins were. And you know, and what, what do they say? Barely even a winning record this year. Eight seven and one. Well, they would have won three games without him that year. But Kevin, here's what I think. Yeah. Uh, based on the rumblings that we heard out of Minnesota this year, I think the problem for Kirk is that the players think the same thing. I, I think his teammates may think the same thing as the narrative. Well, the thing earlier in the season, you know, was much more about I the know. coordinator and the play calling I know. than it was about Cousins. Right. You know, and even Zimmer has mentioned a couple of times, and even Stefan Diggs has mentioned a couple of times, the Chicago game, which they lost 16-6, to in which nobody could block Khalil Mack, and he wrecked the entire game single-handedly. They all pointed to that game, and, and that was when, all of the fireworks with Thielen and Diggs started after that game. They were 2-2. Two and two. And a lot of the reporting was exaggerated as it related to Diggs and Thielen calling Kirk out. They were calling the play calling out. And Thielen said, you know, if you're going to run it 70 times for two yards a, a rush, it's going to be really hard to beat a team like Chicago. They wanted to throw – they wanted better play calling. Kirk wasn't good in the game. Um, but Chicago was really good in that game, and they and they and they got beat. And then from that moment on, it was lights out. You know, he's been top three, top four in every statistical category since then. They lost a game to the Chiefs without Mahomes, but they gave up eight and a half yards per carry defensively. Um, and then last night they lose thirty-seven to thirty to Seattle, but they gave up two hundred and thirty yards on the ground. He, the bottom line with him is this. And I'll leave it at this, and then well, you, you can comment um, on this. The same thing applies to him in 2019 as it applied to him in 2015, 2016, in my mind's eye. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not a top five, top eight, top ten quarterback. But he's definitely somewhere between 10 and 15. And if you put a good team around someone like Kirk Cousins, and it's the right offensive system, et cetera, you can win a lot of games. And the Redskins would have won a lot of games had they had a decent defense, even a bad defense rather than an historically yeah. bad defense, and if they had had a running game. And Minnesota last, you know, is 8-4 and four right now with a good team around them, not a great team around them. I don't think this team's going to win the Super Bowl or even advance significantly in the playoffs. I don't. I think the Saints are better. I think the 49ers are better. I think the Seahawks are better. Um, I think the Packers are better than the Vikings. There are a lot of people that think the talent is really good. Their defense has given up way too much. But he is what he is. He's a quarterback that they're only 
12, 13, 14 guys that are better than him. At max, maybe only 10 or 11 guys. So we know how hard it is to find one of those guys. I would have preferred to have had somebody like him than somebody uh, like we've had here for the last year and a half. Not for that money, though. I didn't want to pay him that money. So why is he such a? Uh, why is he so electric? Why is he such the a con- lightning rod? The, the contract. You know, it was before that. I mean, I, I think part of it is. I'll give you an example. Outside the Beltway, there are people who are still convinced that Robert Griffin III was screwed over here in Washington yeah. and that Kirk Cousins benefited from that. I know, but those people are, I mean. There, there's a, that, it's, listen, Sam Farmer covers the NFL for, for the Los Angeles Times. Mm-hmm. He's covered the league for years. Before the Rams played the Ravens, he did a preview story about you know the Ravens and, and, and Lamar Jackson, and he talked to RG3. He asked him this question. This is a veteran sports writer. Asked him this question to RG3. Don't you wish that the Shanahans had developed an offense around your skills like the Ravens have done? Did he not know that they had? Apparently not. Well, and that so... that's what you're dealing with on the outside. So that's why Kirk How Cousins, did he answer the question? Uh, oh, he answered it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't tell the truth. I don't remember what the exact quote was. But he didn't say to Sam, say, oh, no, you're wrong. They did do that. <laughs> I just didn't want to run it. They He's, didn't do that. No, right. he didn't do that. But that, this is a veteran NFL writer. So that's the, if that's the perception hmm. outside, that's Kirk Cousins is seen in, in, to a lot of people as the villain, one of the villains in the RG3 saga that took place mm, here. Yeah. I, I think the I think you know you have to turn to the people who followed the story and know the story. Yeah, Sam but, Sam was working on on the farm. He didn't he I'm didn't telling, know what what went on here. I I I, I and, was I, look, you know you know Amy Trask, she used to be Yeah, I know uh, the name. I mean, she used to be the a Raider the Raiders front office executive. Yes, right, of course. And she's on yep, Twitter about a year or so ago, uh some about RG3 she quoted, uh, uh, she mentioned something on Twitter that basically took the Redskins to task for ruining him. And I responded back very politely and, and said, trust me, RG3 was not a victim here. He was a carrier. Yeah. You know, there was a virus and he was one of the carriers. And she respectfully said, well, I'm sure there was a lot of blame to go around and all that. But, but again, that's the perception on the outside. And Kirk has been seen as part of, of the guys who 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 either you know, you know basically damaged RG three or benefited from RG the damage done to RG three. I don't I don't think that that is the overwhelming perception. Oh, I think I, it I think, is. I I don't. I mean, I think a lot of NFL writers understand what happened here. The, you you are, know, people like Albert Breer who covered this story pretty closely. There are reporters that understand how there toxic are. it was. There are, but I think the majority <laughs> of the outside uh, world in sports and football is convinced that uh, that the Redskins, ro- you know, damaged RG three and that Kirk Cousins benefited from I don't know, it, that Tommy. he stepped over a body to I do it. I think if RG3, I think right in the in the aftermath of it that that may have been the case, but the, given that he's never gotten an opportunity really since then is I, sort of I, indication that you know this was is this was him more than it was any yeah, of the teams yeah, whether I know it be that. Cleveland or anybody else. You're, you're doing math. 
I know that you're 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 putting together the you know the, the I'm putting the together a timeline. I'm telling you that right. the, that you, this perception that you believe exists now may have existed, but it doesn't exist anymore. Well, I, I think you're wrong. I know you do, but I think I, I just disagree with you. I think it makes sense for that perception to have been there in 2013, 2014. At this point, if somebody still has that perception, they're stupid. Like your guy Sam is just flat out stupid because if that were if that were reality, then if 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 he believed that to be true, then where are all the NFL teams Kevin, that have have offered to resurrect the career? You can't talk perception into existence; it just happens. I th- I don't think that I, I don't think that perception has changed. I do. I think it's changed significantly. I think people know what RG three is now. What's interesting about that? Did you read the story that Barry's Verluga wrote? Barry wrote this story about RG3. Did you see it? Yes, I did. All right, so there were a lot of quotes in there, but my favorite part of the story is really the beginning, where Barry writes, Late in October, the Baltimore Ravens jaunted off the field in Seattle, celebrating a solid victory over the sturdy Seahawks. Lamar Jackson, the NFL's it character in 2019, ran for 116 yards and a touchdown, and the defense turned two Seattle turnovers into scores. Heroes abounded, yet... In the, in the on-field hullabaloo, John Harbaugh found one person to hug, Robert Griffin III. Quote, you're playing great football and nobody knows it, Griffin recalled his coach saying. If anybody could see the type of ball that you're playing right now, they'd be banging down our door to come and get you, closed quote. Then he continued. It meant a lot for him to say that, Griffin said at the Ravens team facility. The relationship between the coach and quarterback is very important. Everybody sees how great a relationship that he has with Lamar because he's out there. And people see it constantly. But they don't see the relationship he has with other players, especially the guy that no one really thinks about until you need him, the backup quarterback, closed quote. And Barry writes, and that's what Griffin is right now in his own words, nothing more than QB2 for Baltimore. I just think it's funny as I read that that the person who's telling you what John Harbaugh said isn't John Harbaugh. Yeah. It's Robert himself. Yes. And the words that John spoke to me, Robert Griffin the third, were so complimentary. And then at the very end, there are these quotes from RG three. Um, and there are some qu- some quotes from Harbaugh in there that are very, very positive about RG three. I don't want to act like there wasn't, but that particular part was really self-inflating of course it was self-serving um at the very end he says quote i want to be an inspiration to people i want to be god's comeback story i'll take that i'll start from the bottom closed quote do you think somebody's going to give him an opportunity in this offseason to be a starter next year no do you if i didn't have a quarterback and I got the commitment from him after a conversation that he would play and try to play the way Lamar Jackson was playing and to play the way other quarterbacks have played, to play the way he used to play, and I didn't have anything else, I would try that. I would definitely try that. I'd get another one. You know, I would find another quarterback similar to Griffin, but I, I've always been in favor of this kind of, you know, attempt at playing football. I've always thought that this college style, you know, football could work and you could win doing it. And the Redskins did win. There's kids coming out of college right now who are better at it than him. That's true. And I would probably use him and I would draft others like him, knowing that he's also breakable. But I would not be totally opposed 
to trying him out there. Because I think if if Jackson got hurt this year, Griffin's a sh- is a fraction of what Jackson is. Speed, vision, the whole thing. But you know what? They're still going to have a chance to be successful with Griffin running that offense. They'll have a chance. They won't be nearly as good, but they won't suck either. Like the Redskins truly sucked when they tried to, um, you know, satisfy him with an offense that fit what he thought he could be, which was Aaron Rodgers right. or somebody like that. And we found out that not he wasn't just bad; he was all time bad at that. Now, if he's more committed to, to, to this, I would love to, and I, I actually have reached out at times over the years to try to get him on. I would love to have a conversation with him about whether or not he understands or whether or not he feels, I'm sorry, whether or not he feels like if he had stayed in Washington with Mike and Kyle and Sean McVay, it would have worked out better for him. Well, that would, that would require him to accept some responsibility. And he still hasn't done that. He still sees himself as a victim. I'm willing to start at the bottom. I'm willing, you know, because they're, I mean, because I, I have the shoulders to handle that. That's my burden. You know, I didn't put myself here, but I'll dig myself out. And he exactly put himself there. Yeah, with unfortunately the assistance of an owner that, doesn't know how to own or manage. I don't because know. Because if it had been in a different situation, maybe he would have been more responsive to maybe to you know uh, some hierarchies, to some discipline, to some accountability um, requirement. Maybe if he had Bill Callahan as a head coach, <laughs> that his his career would have been different. Because we're talking about resp- we're talking about accountability, we're talking about discipline now, baby. All right, wrapping up Kirk Cousins, bottom line last night to me, it was like, it was funny, Tommy, in that final drive, I'm like, I hope he gets it done, but this is how I felt. I wasn't sure that he would. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure that he would. I was hopeful that he would. Um, and and uh, but you know he he was missing some pieces. Here we go with the excuse making. And I also thought that if it came down to a fourth down and something, he may not deliver. Oh and he didn't. My gosh. And he didn't. Um, but anyway, but um, I didn't watch the Monday night game because uh, last night I was down at the anthem. At, at, oh at yeah, the wharf. right. Uh, and what was that about again? Well, that was the premiere of the World Se- 2019 World Series documentary mm-hmm. by Major League Baseball. Uh, and there were more than 3,000 people uh, down there waiting in line in cold weather to get in to see this thing. And it was, it was uh, look, MLB, basically they had 10 days to put it together. And they, and they did a great job. And it's not a Nationals documentary. It's a World Series documentary. So there's a lot of Astros stuff in there as well as National stuff. But it's really well done. I think you can buy the DVD. I'd highly recommend it to any Nationals fans. It's very emotional. Uh, it, it's very inspiring. Uh, it's, oh, I'd it's, love to see it's it. It's revealing in, in a lot of ways. But the best part of the night was, the, you know, DC's media power couple. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lindsey Zarniak and, and Craig, Craig Melvin. Melvin. Yeah. They hosted it. Oh, they did? Yes, they did. And on the stage with them were Mark Lerner, Mike Rizzo, and uh, Ryan Zimmerman. Who is either who basically told reporters last night? Either I'm playing for the Nationals next year, or I'm retiring. So I mean, it's, it's and he was, 
you know, the only player that was part of this. So he's obviously coming back. Uh, but so at one point, Craig Melvin in, in, in questioning uh, Mark Lerner uh, just sort of blurts out something to the effect of how about buying the Redskins and the place. Wait, wait, wait. What? Ha- who said that? Craig, Craig Melvin just said to uh, Mark Lerner, you know, something as to part effect- of like what a Q&A. Yeah. OK. How about buying the Redskins? The place went nuts. <laughs> really? It was the biggest cheer of the night. The place erupted. I mean, it was, and, and, and then Craig tried to backtrack from it because he saw the reaction he get, and he knew how it would wind up out there, how it would sound. And it's funny, Mark responded, we tried that already. They did. Because they did. They did. Yeah. They, and, they, and you know the story uh, about that. And I think... I, I don't know if I, I heard this from somebody who was close to the situation a couple of years ago, actually, that that the old man that Ted Lerner had a number in mind yes. for the team and he would not go past that number like they had penciled this thing out to the nickel, which is very Lerner like. Yeah, they've done this. Know. I mean, they tried to buy the Orioles back when Hoffberger sold the Orioles and he wound up selling it to Edward Bennett Williams. Um, they've been in this business before, and they they've walked away before yeah. from 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 uh, bidding. And and so the number I think was six hundred and fifty million. I, it was somewhere less than the eight hundred million that Snyder yeah. paid for it. Call it six fifty or seven hundred million. And he would not budge. Said no, it's not worth it over this amount. And of course. It's the worst decision they've ever made because if they had spent eight hundred million, they could sell it today for four plus billion yeah. dollars. But um, it would have turned out better, I bet. Yeah, well, that was interesting. And also, Mark Lerner was asked, you know, when did he feel like, you know, when could when did he feel like they had really could win this thing? Where really could win like like the World Series, the seventh game? Can I ask? Can, oh, during the World Series, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because Ryan Zimmerman was asked, and he basically said he couldn't relax until the last out, you know. But but Mark Lerner said what a lot of fans were thinking, where he said <laughs> he said basically when AJ Hinch took out Zach Greinke, yeah. he said that's when I knew we had it. Wow, <laughs> it was, I, that's what I knew. And you know, it's funny because in the documentary, uh, they asked how they asked Howie Kendrick. Uh, they're talking Howie Kendrick. Howie Kendrick said. Basically, when Granky went out, it was like that they all breathed a sigh of relief. So basically, that was a, the way the Nationals see it. That's where the game changed for them. That seventh game and deciding game. So a lot of it is on that AJ Hinch decision. One last thing about the reaction to the crowd. I know it's a Washington Nationals crowd, but the national, the Astros legacy is forever tainted now by this cheating thing. I was just going to Forever tainted because people kept blurting out, yelling out cheaters every time uh, an Astros player would come up on the screen. I know this is a Washington crowd, but I bet they do the same thing in New York. I bet they do the same thing in L.A. And I don't think they're ever going to, no matter what happens, and I think they're going to get punished and punished severely. uh, Their legacy went from being they had a ch- they perceived this world series about their legacy as one of the great teams of all time to win two world series in 3 years and have three straight 100 win seasons instead their legacy is going to be tarnished and tainted 
forever. It's just so funny because the irony is is they won three road games and didn't win any yes. home games yes. in the World Series yeah. itself. They won the games in which they didn't potentially have the advantage yeah. um, that they had at home. What do you think is going to happen at that uh, about that? Because we haven't talked about that. Shouldn't A.J. Hinch be suspended? I think he should. For, for I mean, a long, long time? Yes, I, th- I think he should. And, and look, this is a beloved, respected manager who, who willingly participated in, in what is in, in baseball – you know, is perceived as, as 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 cheating. I mean, even if everybody does it, now nobody did it to the level that the Astros did. And uh, the Astros have a certain arrogance that people want to jump on mm-hmm. and really punish them for. So it's going to be worse for them because they're a hated organization throughout the game. And you know, a lot of people see this as revenge. As as my coat instructor. At the at Georgetown in the business of sports media, uh, pointed out Marty Conway. You know, the Patriots do the same thing, and you don't see anyone from the Patriots writing a book. Well, they wrote this book called Astro Ball. You know, and there was a level of arrogance involved in the way the Astros do business, and now people want to see them pay for it. That Strasburg, you know, game six when he got hit by, um, uh, you know, early the Bregman homer, yes. and they, they he was tipping his pitches. Remember, yeah. was oh, the, yeah. the discussion? Um, you know, you just thought it was one of those things where he was tipping his pitches, yeah. but it was probably more than that. Like they knew what was coming, and somebody was banging on something in the dugout <laughs> based on what the video was revealing, and we didn't know that until the series series was over. Thankfully, the Nats won it, or it would have been truly tainted, as was their World Series from a couple of years ago. Now it's yeah. tainted. Yeah, against the you Dodgers. think they'll take it away from them? I don't think they. They will. don't really do that in professional say, sports. Even in college sports, it's the most meaningless. It's, it's meaningless. Ever. I understand. I, yeah. I think the closest thing this is, though, when you kind of look through sports, I, I think the closest thing you can compare it to is Bounty Gate, and I think we might see a Sean Payton suspension, yeah. a year-long suspension for A.J. Hinch. It, it could be something like that. I mean, I think, look, Rob Manfred is under a lot of pressure right now to uh, uh, to, to to come down on the Astros. Like I said, they're not a, there's not a lot of sympathy around baseball for, for, for the Houston Astros. Uh, two other things. You mentioned Strasburg. Uh, he's prominently displayed, obviously, being the World Series MVP throughout the documentary, but he's not really interviewed. Uh, I don't know if, if that's – I don't know why that is. You know, he may have declined to be interviewed. Even Rendon, I mean, he was pretty much invisible until the end of, of the documentary, and then he was interviewed there. Uh, but Strasburg never really got interviewed. The, the, the parts that juiced – the people really got juiced up when they showed Dave Martinez when he was when he got kicked out of the game, remember, yeah. mm-hmm. and how crazy he yeah. was. The crowd went, the, the audience went nuts when when they showed that part. But I highly recommend the DVD to anybody. Uh, will they run it on MLB Network soon? I don't know if they will. I don't know, but you can buy it right now. One quick Nats note, since uh, we 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 found our way into this conversation. Bob Nightingale last night, several executives during the GM meetings insisted that Texas, the Rangers are the favorites to land free agent third baseman Anthony Rendon. And on Sunday, Rendon met for the first time with the Rangers contingent in his hometown of Houston per uh, Evan Grant. I don't know who He's he with the Dallas Morning News. Okay. Look, I've been telling you that for, for months, that uh, the Rangers are going to be the front runners. Uh, they're the ones that Scott Boris has been working on 
for months, the owners of the Rangers who are opening up a new ballpark next year. Right. And unlike the learners, I know everyone wants to canonize the learners and, you know, they, they are, they had a world series champion, but most people, when they open up a new ballpark in baseball, don't want to open it up with a hundred lost team. Right. They want to open it up with a winning team. So the Rangers want to make a splash to open up their new ballpark. And Boris has been selling Rendon all year to the Rangers owners as their ticket to be able to do that. I think it's a little misleading. Rendon's no Bryce Harper. He's I don't know I don't know how many tickets are going to be sold right. because of Anthony Although Rendon. Although Rendon's a much more recognizable figure after yes. after October yes. of this year than he was going into it. Yes, he is. Even uh, more respected, I think, even from baseball people, because he delivered in the clutch at every single time, every single opportunity oh, during the postseason. Tr- tremendously respected yeah. uh, among baseball people. Uh, so, and and Strasburg, uh, according to Chris Russell, uh, reported that uh, Strasburg has met with the Dodgers and is going to be meeting with other teams out west. Who reported that? Chris Russell. He, he did? did. Yes, he did. Good for Chris. Yeah. He reported that. Look, the Dodgers are no surprise. Uh, Stan Kasten, uh, you know, he he was here when they drafted Strasburg. Uh, so, uh, I mean, they saw firsthand uh, what what he could do. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's a tough situation for the Nationals because I would love to see Strasburg back. But, I mean, again, 227 starts since Tommy John's surgery. And... You don't know what the expiration date is. I want is. them both back, please. <laughs> That's what I want. I want uh, April to come around, and I want Rendon hitting third, and I want Strasburg <laughs> scheduled to start the second game of their first uh, of their first uh, series. I, I really would be so disappointed if they come back as the defending champion and both of them are gone. Well, that would be tough I, I to mean, handle. It really would be. It, it'd be a different team. I mean, I, I Soto and. And Scherzer, I mean, there's still going to be some people, but Rendon and Strasburg, uh, Rendon in particular, because we're now getting into that point where this is the prime of his career, and it might be for it should be for Strasburg too. I'd love to have him here. I'm not worried about what the timeline on the Tommy John is. What well, I you saw, should, you should be I know, but what I saw was one badass starting pitcher I know. in I October know. of 2019. I know. I look. I I I I love the guy, and I uh, love the way he pitched. And it'd be it'd be great. It'd be if, a big if it, disappointment if both of them go. It'd be gone. A, it'd be a I, major would, disappointment. I, I think the learners should consider this that you know it was such it was such an incredible moment for this city. October was yes, it was. <clears throat> I mean, the, I mean, I, I don't want this is not meant to be condescending or dismissive to the Capitals because that was terrific too. It was great, but that whole month of October this year for people like me of a certain age that like baseball and love postseason baseball and it, it wanted it to be a part of our lives for so many years when it wasn't. It was really special, and the way they did it with the comeback win over Milwaukee and the Game 5 win at Dodger Stadium and, and all of what, you know, being down 3-2 after the homestand here in the World Series and going to Houston and winning two games and the clutch performances and Strasburg and Rendon being so much, you know, front and center, top of the list of the reasons they won. If you open up next season without those two players, it's going to be a letdown. It will be. Huge letdown to, for that let, season. It will be a letdown to have both of them gone. And the, the other thing about the documentary, uh, 
I mean, you just fall in, if you if you if you possibly can, you fall in love even more with Juan Soto. I thought you were going to say with Dave Martinez even no. more. I mean, Martinez Martinez too. is so likable. Yeah, but Juan Soto. Yeah. Is, is, I mean, it, this, we're talking superstar ball player here. And one last thing uh, that Nats fans should consider going into next year, we haven't even come close to seeing the best of Victor Robles. I, I mean, Victor Robles was the higher-touted prospect I know he was. than Juan Soto. And, I mean, Robles has established himself as one of the best center fielders. In, in, in baseball, but offensively, I think he's just start starting to scratch the surface. You know what? The other thing, just on Strasburg and Rendon, because it's unusual in sports. You know, in any sport in in this day and age. I mean, the Caps have it with Ovechkin, and they have it with Holtby, and they've got it with you know Backstrom, etc. But when you draft that player, when you acquire that player, and that player's been with you their entire careers, it it makes it even the attachment even more emotional oh, and you stronger. Could, you could see it the way the crowd reacted to Ryan Zimmerman right. last night. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they, they went nuts when Zimmerman came out on the stage holding the World Series trophy above his head. So, yeah, I agree with you. That, that, that's, I mean, I, I've always felt like if you're, if you're building a sports team, particularly a baseball or a football team, and we've heard this term before, core Redskins, that I, I think Joe Gibbs used to use, before, but I think you do have to identify a two or three players that you want to try to say, "I'm going to try. We're going to try to keep these guys for their whole career, and then everybody else is an interchangeable part." Right. That's the best you can do at that point. Okay, uh, we're going to get to the Redskins ratings thing um, next, and we'll we'll touch on Georgetown as well. Um, uh, that was a long, what we call uh, an opening segment. Uh, that was pretty much the, the half, if not more than <laughs> half the show there. But a quick word about mybookie.ag. Lots of sports now. Holiday time, lots of football games, NBA in full swing, college basketball in full swing. Um, if you're looking to bet and you don't have somebody to bet through, first of all, be careful. Be careful when you dip your toes into <laughs> the arena that I've been in for, for many years. It's not for everybody, um, but if you're looking for a place to do it, uh, mybookie.ag is a place that's reliable. You need a place that you feel confident in, that you're going to give information to, that you're going to give money to, that you want to get paid if you win. Mybookie.ag is one of those places. Fast payouts, quality lines, many, many different ways to bet on games. You know, you can bet straight bets, par parlays, teasers, in-game action, futures. It's all there at mybookie.ag. If you go to mybookie.ag and you use my promo code KevinDC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, they will double your first deposit. Um, Use my promo code, though, KevinDC. Mybookie.ag, today you play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get to this story, which I guess on most shows we would have probably put this at the top. Um, when Tommy and I get together, we could probably do a five-hour show every yes, day. Yes, we could. If somebody's interested, we're available <laughs> for that. Uh, so the ratings came out for the Sunday game between the Redskins and the Panthers, and then the Ravens 
and the 49ers. And, and I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> but I predicted that I, either on the Friday, sh- Friday show or Wednesday show that there was an opportunity for the Redskins, I think for the first time ever. They've been beaten before on the same day, but not in the same time slot. Right. So, for example, they play a 1 o'clock game and they get a 15 rating or 14 rating, and then later on in the day the Cowboys play a big game against the Eagles, and that game does a 16 rating. That's happened before in recent years. Um, That, by the way, never used to happen either, way back in the day. But that's happened more recently. But I'm pretty sure, and there's really not a lot of, you know, there's not a place to go to for all of this information, this TV ratings data. You know, it's not like there's a historical you know, site that keeps all of the DC local sports ratings. It's you got to go back and you got to look at it. But I believe this to be true. I believe that the Redskins have never been outrated in the time slot in which they were playing. But I I saw this coming as the perfect storm on Sunday. Ravens 49ers, the game of the year in the NFL, certainly one of the games of the year in the NFL. The Redskins are horrible. Um, and I thought, and the Ravens chance. have not just a, a, a heavyweight matchup. The Ravens have the player that everybody wants to see. Superstar player, 100% right. And it's the Ravens. You know, there is some bleed through here in the D.C. television yes. market. So the Ravens did outrate the Redskins. Actually, by a slim margin, It's I, I thought that the margin could have been bigger. But the Ravens 49ers game in the 1 o'clock window on Fox did a 12.5 rating. And the Redskins Panthers on CBS in the 1 o'clock window did an 11.7 rating. Um, There was also a report, and I think J.P. Finley had this, that the Redskins game surged late because they had the lead. Um, And 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 it took a a long time. And because the game lasted longer. That's right, Tommy. Good point. The Redskins game Sunday was a long game. It was three hours and 32 minutes. And I think the Ravens 49ers game was the shortest game in the 1 o'clock window. Actually may have ended before three hours. It may have. Before 4 o'clock. But anyway, so what does it mean? Well, one thing that it definitely means is that it's it's another data point Okay, that indicates that the Redskins' popularity in this market has reached an all-time low. It doesn't mean it can't go lower because they still did an 11.7, okay, an 11.7. That 11.7 is, I think, tied with the lowest rating they've ever done, the Chargers a few years ago, the Jet game from this year. So it's sinking. Um, it could go lower, though. It could be a, a 7.7. Yeah. You know, there's more room for it to fall. You know, you you suggested that I think the Redskins had 10,000 of their own fans there for the Lion game, yes. right? So it could be 5,000 fans next year for a game. So it could go lower. Um, but it is another data point that indicates, you know, just how um, how less popular the Redskins have become in recent years. What I hope it personally means is that Dan Snyder takes it seriously um, and says to himself, the Ravens are more popular in my own market than we are, and doesn't view it as the perfect storm kind of thing, and says, whose fault is this? Well, it's my fault, which I'm really you know, reaching here for what I hope the reaction is. But I hope he also looks at his co-conspirator, Bruce Allen, and says, uh, you've been here 10 years, and every time I go to the stadium, there are fewer and fewer people here. And now fewer and fewer people are watching, which we've known. But now more people are watching the team 30 miles to the north, run by Steve Bishotti, who I don't even like very much. Yes. You know, you're out of here. Uh, what I hope it doesn't mean internally in Ashburn is that they say, 
Yeah, fine, whatever. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Washingtonians have more money, and they were all traveling and out of town. And it was Lamar Jackson in the game of the year, and we've got a bad record, and all we have to do is is win, and everything will change. And oh, by the way, you should have seen the the pregame rally we had in Charlotte. <laughs> you should have seen the crowd we had because I did hear they had a, an incredible well, crowd again. Well, look at and we, they're fooled. They're fooled by this all the time. Yeah, but in Charlotte, it's always going to be worse a little because, bit more because, because it's the Redskin market. Yes, I mean yeah. basically, I mean for, for, for years the Redskins were the, the the only team that was considered the South, right. and then the Falcons were started in '66. And then from 66 to the, uh, the time, 94, when the Panthers started, it, uh, it, was, it was the Redskins between Atlanta and Washington. So, yeah, they're, they, they're going to have – I mean, they, they always seem to get a stronger showing on the road, and it's going to be even stronger in Charlotte. So that's understandable. But they do. You want, were you going to say something, Aaron? I was. It was something that struck me as we were talking about this Baltimore-Washington thing. The Redskins host the Ravens next year. It's a home game against the Ravens. What percentage is Ravens fans? Uh, it well, it depends when the game is and what the two records are. I mean, m- Let, more likely than not, let's assume the Redskins are going to stink and the Ravens are going to be good. It's going to be eighty twenty. It's going to be what the, the Phil- it's going to be the Philadelphia game from last year. The Philadelphia game was ninety ten. Yeah, that's what it'll be. Yeah, you know, especially if it's later in the year and the yeah. season is because, you know basically over. Because you'll have Redskins fans that will want to show up just so they don't have to deal with Ravens fans. You'll have Redskins fans that might normally show up that say, why do I want to show up and have Raven fans all around me harassing me and tell me how my team stinks? You'll have you'll have Redskins fans that won't, won't do that. So, yeah, that that would be interesting. Uh, but you see, you're all you're missing the point here, Kevin. What am I missing? You're, you're missing the beginning of, of the, the Bill Callahan era here. Mm. This team is is on the road to redemption. This team is. It seems to be heading in the right direction. They have a young quarterback who looked, who looked pretty good, looked okay. I mean, they apparently, have a running back. They got a quarterback who apparently had a hell of a Cyber Monday. Yes, <laughs> had a big Cyber Monday yesterday. Forty percent off all merchandise at Kingdom of Pride. His clothing line. Uh, he, Tommy made me aware of this last week, and I think I mentioned it on Friday show or yesterday's show. Um, I do wonder how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL have their own clothing line. Actually, Lamar Jackson does. <clears throat> he does. Yes, he does. Okay, I, I read that too. I think it's. I think <laughs> it's. It, it's a more prominent thing that, than than we we think. Uh, but it just plays into the whole Haskins and Haskins thing. But look, and I don't want to talk bad about the kid because he played. He played. He's getting better. And, hold, hold on for a second. Is this sarcasm? No, he did okay. play. No, he did play better. He he played he he played better than I thought he would, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he was certainly helped by a running game, and you, you saw how how a running game uh, can, can help any quarterback, uh, and and uh, they they may have found a a they may have stumbled onto a piece of gold with Darius Geis. I mean, if he's healthy, uh, I heard you talking about it on the radio this morning on nine eighty that uh, he reminds you of of Marshawn Lynch. And the way he ran on Sunday and the highlights that I saw, that was Lynch-like. So they, you know, I mean, and and look, you got, who's the coach while all this is happening? Bill Callahan. I mean, you know, you, there's more discipline on the team. 
There, there, there's a better offensive balance on the team. Right. There's more accountability. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, this is this is what. <laughs> what's the matter? Oh, I just love you. You're this, just you're just so funny. I go. I can't believe you didn't spend more time on the Cyber Monday forty percent off Kingdom of Pride because <laughs> because I bet he Haskins had a better Monday than he had Sunday. I guarantee you, he had a better Monday than he had Sunday. Um, I first of all, with respect to the ratings thing, they should take it seriously. Okay, all of this information over the years, and I know that you will say that it, it's not the end-all, be-all anymore, and I understand that there are many ways that people are consuming content now. It still is the one thing that we have out there that reflects a much larger audience than attendance. You know, the number of people that watch a game, is it, it's exponentially higher than the, the, yes. the number of people that attend. So it's more reflective, truly, of popularity um, in a market. But there are other ways that it, it's reflected too, but they should take it seriously. It's a serious thing. You know, it goes back to what, you know, I've talked about for a couple of years now. Dan Snyder has ruined the Washington Redskins. Ruined it. Um, personally ruined it. Um, he's a terrible owner. He's one of the worst owners that we've had ever in the history of sports. And he took something that was so revered and so special for a community. And community makes this town sound smaller than it is. It's a big metropolitan market. You know, the number five or number six market in the Actually, country. Actually, it's seventh now. Is it seventh? Yeah. What's sixth? Oh, uh, what, what moved up to six? Whatever. Um, I just read about it, but they're seventh now. So... Uh, it's a it's a it's a huge market that, that San Francisco. Oh, I I always thought the Bay Area was bigger anyway. I I don't know if they divide them San Francisco Oakland or not. Anyway, because they don't they don't combine Baltimore Washington anymore. Anyway, he doesn't understand still to this day. I don't believe how because I think in his own mind he's tried. You know, and a lot of people, you know, still have this perception, which I think still does exist. Yeah, but Dan Snyder wants to win. Yeah. So what? He doesn't go about it as if he wants to win. He fails every time he tries harder to win. Um, so he's ruined something that was so special and so revered and so important to this community, something that actually brought the community together in a way that nothing else did for a long period of time. And so it worries me that these kinds of things that happen, you know, like they got beat by the Ravens, just sort of sails over his head. You know, last year when they didn't fire Bruce Allen and they didn't fire Jay Gruden, I talked about with you and by myself, you know, they just still think that people are disappointed, not checked out. They still think, well, winning's going to bring everything, make everybody change their minds. Winning's going to sell out the stadium. And I do think winning will help a lot. I think a lot of people will come back. But they view the current state, the current losing state, as people just being disappointed, not off put, not disgusted. There's a difference. You know, disappointed is like, ah, we had injuries this year. If not for the injuries, you know, we had everything set up. No, people don't agree with that mindset. They're disgusted, and now many have completely checked out. And until they recognize that that's the issue, I don't know that they're capable of fixing the issue. And then, you know, determining why that's the issue. The issue is them. You know, the issue is all of the decisions that they have made 
over the years that have built up into one bad season, one mediocre season followed by a bad season followed by a mediocre season. And this damn guy, Allen, is 62-96-2. Like, how can't you look at that and say, or one, whatever the ties are. They had the tie against Cincinnati. Do they have another tie? I think that's it. I think that's it. How can you not look just based on record as a business person and say, you know what, I've given you 10 years and you have a 395 winning percentage. But it's much more than that, as we know. You know, it's all of the things, you know, it's the winning off the field. It's the damn good culture. It's the Trent Williams situation. It's the La Famina. It's the McLuhan stuff. It's the Cousins stuff. And now it's things like nobody comes to the games and very few are watching the games. And not just that very few are watching the games, but more people are watching the other game on television than our game. If this stuff doesn't start to sink in, what will? Again, you're, you're, I mean, you're looking at me. I mean, I've been, I've been saying, I've been doing for, for a couple of years the uh, Surgeon General's warning. You know, the, the Redskins, are, it doesn't matter who coaches the team. It doesn't matter who uh, who's the general manager. As long as Dan Snyder owns the team, I mean, this is always going to be a lousy franchise. I mean, I, like I told somebody, you know, they're not a real NFL franchise. They play in the NFL, but they're not an NFL franchise. They're two different things. Yeah, I know. Um I, you know, you know, I've been sort of leading to this. Bruce is going to be gone. And there was some reporting over the weekend from uh, Garofolo from the NFL Network. And I do. I'm, I'm standing by it. I, you know, I'm not I'm not convinced that it's 100 percent by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I've, I've discussed it on the podcast that the relationship which, with Dan and Bruce is probably a little bit more strained than it was in the past. There was a lot of conversation that I that we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago about how there are some in the organization that have tried to convince Dan that if he fires Bruce, they'll get a huge boost in ticket sales, which I don't think they will. There will be a huge reaction on social media. Fans will love it. Um, They will feel satisfied by it. They will actually be optimistic, even though Snyder's still the owner. I don't know that it's going to translate into like huge ticket sale increases. That's my personal opinion. Um, But... If they win at Lambeau on Sunday and the Cowboys lose to the Bears and the Eagles lose to the Giants and now all of a sudden, oh, they're only two games out of first with three to go, you're right. They might all of a sudden think, old Bill, yes. we put this thing together. Bruce, you were right. God, yes. why, Bruce, why didn't you fire Jay in January and hire <laughs> Bill and elevate Bill? But that's all right. We finally got to the right answer. Yeah, we're then, on the right and track. And then we'll be sitting here a year from now in the exact same position. Exact same. If they if they beat Green Bay, they're not going to. I know they're not. But if they do, Bill Callahan's not going anywhere. <laughs> He's not going this anywhere. Be, you know what? That's a really good um, column idea for you, uh-huh. and a segment idea for me. Because of their four remaining games, they've got the reeling Eagles, the bad Giants, and the Cowboys, who aren't very good in May. Have nothing to play for. Right. This game, however, at Lambeau Field on Sunday, where they are 13-point underdogs against the Packers, who are heading for in a division race with the Vikings. They need the game. They can't lose to the Redskins at home. That if they went in and won at Lambeau, would that if if Snyder is on the fence about Callahan and Allen, would that tip it in the direction of tip him in the direction of whoa? 
if I was thinking about stopping this train, maybe I should just get out of the way and let it keep rolling. Well, because this is what Brutes has been selling him on, I'm sure. I mean, and, and, and he'll have something to back it up. So this is why... You know, this, this Packer the, game is huge. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. It just occurred to me how big this is. If they go in and beat the Packers, this may convince all of them because they really are impressed with with themselves over the Miami win, the Lions win, and the Panthers win. Yeah. By the way, they beat three backup quarterbacks. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Of course. Well, yeah. and they, they and now they're playing yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Right. So if they, <laughs> that, this is the point. If they yeah. go into Lambeau Field iconic Lambeau Field, and beat Aaron Rodgers, a good Packer team, in a game the Packers really need, this could really, really be the game of the year that ruins the Redskins for years to come. So, no, it's Even this further. Is a, a nightmare scenario, a victory. Nightmare. A victory in Lambeau is a nightmare for, for the Redskins. And I do like Darius Geis. I compared him this morning, for those of you that don't know, and we won't spend a lot of time on this because we've already go, gone way too long on this podcast today. Um. I think Darius Geis is Marshawn Lynch, best case. Chris Ivory, worst case. I love Chris Ivory. I thought he was a really good back. I think he never got in the right situation, and he was always injured. But they're very similar in running styles. But he really is something to be optimistic about with respect to next year. You can build an offense around maybe a, a talent like that. He he really blew me away Sunday with some yeah. of those runs. Yeah. Um. And and in the way he uh, he's, he did it the first two weeks without the numbers, and I was like, wow, that was impressive. Even though he didn't have the numbers, you know, he got you yards when there were no yards to get. And um, you know, I'm the jury's still out on Haskins, but I'm I'm definitely intrigued. I have been for a few weeks now, and I thought he took another step forward on Sunday. I think I think you're right about all that. What if he goes in and he and he has his best game against the Packers at Lambeau? Well, I mean, his best game. Uh, yeah, if he has his best game against the Packers and they win, here, here's th- this may be the, the biggest measure of how dysfunctional the Redskins truly are in that you have a fan base. If you're a smart Redskins fan, you're agonizing over these wins. You're saying, oh, my God, what, like, what if the nightmare scenario happens? They beat Green Bay and then nothing changes. You know, they're convinced they're on the right track. I mean, as, as a Redskins fan, you're sitting there rooting for failure. You're rooting for, you're rooting for losses. I mean, you're, you, and, and the, the, you're watching your team win games, and there's, there's a, 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 like a hole in your stomach that says, oh, my God, this is eating me up. I can't root for my team because I know it's the worst thing for my team. I know. I know. It's like I, I, you know, I feel and I felt this way going into the Haskins starts beginning in Buffalo, that if they ended up winning a couple of these games, but they were winning them because we were watching the development of the future franchise quarterback and that we were becoming more and more convinced because he was playing well and the other young players as well, I would deal with that. You know, it, losing draft position, but hey, we got a quarterback, we got a running back, we got a wide receiver, we've got some young players on defense, we've got a, you know, uh, Christians playing well, uh, you know, uh, Cole Holcomb's playing well, all of that, that it would be more easy to swallow. But the Callahan thing introduces, you know, a, a worse, a much worse case situation because he should not be a head coach next year anywhere in my view. 
Um, and if they, he convinces, and by the way, he and Bruce are sort of cut from the same cloth. You know, they, they, they're very impressed with themselves. And I can see a conversation between the two of them right now. And they are nodding at each other with everything each other says. Uh, I mean, they are the, each other's best audience. There's no question. I, I, Tommy, I'm telling you, people like Bill Callahan, I knew so many people just like him before I got into this broadcasting career. And it's not, there's not a lot of substance there. I know you think he's brilliant. I'm not suggesting he's dumb by any su- stretch of the imagination, but he ain't as brilliant brilliant as you think he is. And more importantly, um, if he comes back and Bruce is back, even if we've got some you know, optimism about the young players, we're going to be sitting here a year from now with a 4-8 and eight football yeah. team. You know, that's what's yeah. going to happen. We well, may be sitting here next year 4-8 and eight, even with a new coach and a new regime because it's going to take some time. They need more pieces. Yeah. It's not a roster built ready to win. If you Like somebody said to me yesterday, don't you think this roster is attractive to a, a GM or a coach? Oh, no, I don't. I think I think I don't think it's the worst roster in the league, which makes the results really disappointing. Um, I don't think it's the worst roster in the league, but it's not like it's not Dallas's roster. You know, it's not. And, and by the way, you still have the owner here. Uh, anyway, I don't even know where we're going with this. Um, well, we've come to the conclusion that the world could change if Sunday they at beat, Lambeau. if they beat Green Bay. Yeah, you just gave me the idea for tomorrow's show. Though you know, one of the th- it's a, it's a it's a good one because it is a nightmare scenario for Sunday at Lambeau if the Redskins go in there and win. Now, if Dwayne Haskins throws for three fifty and five touchdowns, and Geis runs for a buck sixteen, and the defense shuts out Aaron Rodgers, and they win thirty five to seven, five touchdowns, third time seven, thirty five to seven. Um, then people are going to be like, whoa, wait wait a minute. And then if you add to that, if Dallas loses, then you're going to think you actually have a chance to run the table (laughs) and win the division at 7-9. and I don't think they're going to beat the Packers. Um, I don't think they're a very good team. They're not. You know why I don't? Because they're They're not not a very good good team. team. Real quickly, Georgetown, their best player is off the team. Kicked off the team. The other player, a key reserve. So, um... Uh, th- their their best player Akinjo is off the team, and we don't know why. Unless yeah, the story's been updated, we don't know updated. about kicked off the team for him. We know he's leaving the team. He's leaving the team. Well, I thought I thought we sort of it, they were asked to leave the team. I think I, I, Georgetown announced that they were. Georgetown well, University men's basketball players James Akinjo and Josh LeBanc will not be playing for the men's basketball team effective immediately and will not be members of the team for the remainder Georgetown of the season. Georgetown okay. made that decision. Yeah, well, Georgetown That's made that think. announcement. They, they made the announcement. En- they both er- entered the transfer portal, and I think that at least as of now, it's important to distinguish the two because of the reason we know about LeBlanc. LeBlanc. We know LeBlanc has legal issues. We don't know anything about Akinjo. Yeah, LeBlanc, um, there was a restraining order request granted November 20th after LeBlanc and another player on the team, Galen Alexander. Um, I'm sorry, let me move back. Uh, According to court records obtained by ESPN, a Georgetown student filed a restraining order on November 5th against LeBlanc and another Georgetown player, Galen Alexander, for sexual harassment Assault, uh, and, and it was also in response to an alleged burglary, um, as well. So there's burglary, there's sexual uh, harassment, sexual assault, all of these accusations on LeBlanc and other players, but none of that is attached to Akinjo. None of it. 
And to your point, Aaron, even though the university made the announcement, it doesn't mean that it was their decision. It could have been the player's decision as well. With respect to LeBlanc, I hope it was the university's decision. With respect to Akinjo, that's a big loss for them. He was their best player. And I just wonder whether or not we're seeing the beginning of the end of the Thompson era this on is, the hilltop. Let's talk about a nightmare scenario. This is it. You know, at some, like I told you before the show, at some point, uh, people who run Georgetown got to wake up and look in the mirror and say, we are a Jesuit school. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we can't let this go on. We, 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 I mean, you know, we, we can't let this happen. I mean, so this, uh, a couple of weeks after Georgetown had one had an impressive win over Texas, played Duke tough. Uh, you know, they, they host Syracuse in, in two weeks. Uh, this, this, is, this, is, this is a bad time for Georgetown basketball. I had Jeff Goodman on the radio show this morning, and he, you know, he got into an argument, I guess, with people on Twitter last night when he suggested that Georgetown was a top-20 program. And I said to him, I said, I actually w- think you, you should distinguish between program and coaching availabilities. It's a, two, it's a different conversation because Georgetown's not a top-20 program right now. But you could argue because of the conference it's in, because of the market that it's in, because of its history, that it might be a top 20 available job. You know, I've always said about Maryland, it may not be a top 10 to 15 program or top 20 program right now, although they're number three in the country. But if the Maryland job becomes available, it's a top 15 job in college basketball. Um, For all of the reasons I just mentioned, Georgetown might be a top 20 job. Maryland's got even more reasons. They've got, you know, they've got an on-campus arena. They got one of the best home environments. They, 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 there's a lot more. They're in a better league. The Big Ten's a better league than the Big East. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, the funny thing about Georgetown, Aaron, you and I have talked about this in the past. I actually think Patrick and his staff, when I watch them, I actually think they're fairly well coached. So do I. You know, I and, think they and, are too. And they they had Duke on the ropes. They beat Texas. They lost to UNC Greensboro. And I mentioned that to Goodman and Goodman, who really follows the sport, said UNC Greensboro is not terrible. And I, I went and looked at it. They were they were down two at halftime to Kansas just a few weeks ago. So it's not like the worst loss in history. But to your point, Tommy, um, you know, at some point, it's going to be less. For somebody at the top of that school, it's going to be less about the basketball history, the Thompsons, et cetera, and more about, you know, perhaps getting back to our Jesuit yes. roots and yeah, values. really is. You know, core values, I don't know. Um, basketball I mean, basketball about, is important at Georgetown. We're not talking about Alabama football here. We're not, no. we're not talking about, you know, LSU or something like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's a Jesuit school. But... The reason, and the Jesuits are very forgiving, one, but not this forgiving. <laughs> one of the reasons Georgetown is Georgetown is yes, because they've been a phenomenal academic institution since when the 1700s, whenever Georgetown was founded. But in recent times, you know, in 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 KS in in K in KS years, Kevin Sheehan years yeah. that matter, Georgetown's also been known for its basketball program. Yes. You know, so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, 
I love Big John, and I like JT3, and I hope everything works out for them. I'm a Maryland guy, and one of the things that we always know, having worked with Coach, he recognized, you're a Maryland guy or you're a Georgetown guy. (laughs) And the people that claim to be both aren't really passionate about either. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, interesting thing. Maryland plays Notre Dame. They're number three in the country, highest ranking for the Terps since February of 2016 when they were number two. And tonight in college basketball, you get Michigan, who entered the poll at number four from being unranked with Jawan Howard uh, and an undefeated team, and they play at number one Louisville tonight. Really? In the ACC Big Ten uh, Challenge, which will be a great game. What's the line on that game? The line, it, uh, it's fluctuated a little bit. I think it's around five. Louisville's a five-point yeah, favorite. Uh, the other game, Michigan State and Duke. And Michigan State and Duke. Which is the somehow the undercard. <laughs> yeah, it's the undercard <laughs> to Michigan and Louisville. And tomorrow night, you know, Notre Dame was not supposed to be great this year, but I think they only have one loss, Aaron, to North Carolina, and that's it, right? And they come into yep. College Park tomorrow night. That should be the first really good home crowd uh, for Maryland. I would expect the building to be near sold out for, you know, and Notre Dame's not ranked, okay, but Maryland's 8-0 no, and ranked third in the country. This is what people get excited about. And uh, and and going to be interesting for the Terps. They, they, they've got a chance this year to make a yeah, deep, they do. deep run. Um, anything else for you? That's all did I got we, today, Did we boss. miss anything? I don't think so. And if we did, we'll, we'll cover it on Thursday. Uh, thanks to Aaron, and thanks to all of you. Don't forget, we've got an app um, now. You can listen to us on the app. You can find it uh, on your Apple, uh, on your iPhone, um, in the App Store. And if you've got an Android, you can find it in the Google Store. Uh, if you want to listen to us that way, you get Twitter feeds from me, from the show, Facebook page, uh, etc. And it's another way just to listen to the show in very easy fashion. All right. Uh, thanks. Have a great day. Back tomorrow.